Coming to you live from Big Springs, California, it's the Loaded Souls Podcast. Welcome to the Loaded... We're not on the air. Are we on the air? Are we on the air? We're not on the air. Hit the button. What button? That that big red button. The big red one. Right there. Got it. Okay. Welcome to the Loaded Souls Podcast. My name's Eric, and I'm your host, and um, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening, wherever you're listening from or whatever time it is. I appreciate you coming by and listening to us and uh, giving us giving us a spin. So <laughs> the topic topics, basically, or the, the two threads of this podcast are um, the two main threads are trauma and music and uh, everything underneath and where they meet and intertwine and how they work together. And um, I've, you know, for a while now, I've wanted to talk about trauma a bit and my own experience with trauma. I know it's a a hot word and all that stuff, but, uh, you know, just talking about the effects of trauma and how it's affected my life and and my music and... uh, and all that good stuff. I think it's important to be able to have some dialogue about it. I don't talk a lot about it, um, like openly with lots of different people. I have a few people that that know pretty, you know, know me pretty well <clears throat> in that deeper sense. And uh, and I have friends out there that know my history and stuff like that. So I think it's important to talk about it. You know, I've been listening to some other podcasts about adoption and just sometimes I try to get a little more insight um, into myself and stuff. And there's a lot of things that come up that are just mind blowing, you know, that other people have in their lives that, that were also adopted kids. And, um, you know, relatability is important and being able to feel like, uh, you know, you're able to kind of have other people that you can relate to relatability, (laughs) like I said. So, um, anyway, yeah, this is the very first episode of loaded souls podcast. And, uh, episode one is entitled from the beginning. So each episode, I'm going to see if I can pick a song title to kind of go with the theme of the episode. And since this is the very first one, I thought Emerson Lake and Palmer from the beginning is a good, a good title. So, and it's mainly going to be a introduction of, you know, things that we can talk about. I'll introduce myself and let you know a little of my background and all that good stuff. And uh, eventually I have ideas of having, you know, people on the show and being able to interview other musicians that have had different traumas in their life, you know, from different uh, different walks of life and different things. And um, in my case, it was being adopted so and being abandoned at uh at birth that's really the trauma that i the first trauma that i ever experienced so um and just the effects of it you know so um yeah so i'll just i guess i'll just start out and and just start there and just let you know so yeah i was abandoned or uh, put up for adoption at birth by my mother my birth mother and at the time, obviously, I didn't know any details or anything like that. I didn't find anything out for quite a while up until, I guess I was in my 20s when I um, 
actually did some looking and found her and stuff and we met and all that. But at the time, you know, I uh, was put up for adoption and <clears throat> it took about eight months for my, my mom and dad to take me home. So I was eight months, I was in a, like a foster home or whatever, foster, you know, like hospital being taken care of and watched over and all that. And, uh, so I didn't find out I was adopted until a bit later in my life, you know, and I didn't really, you know, I mean, I, I, I felt awkward. I don't, you know, like any other kid, I guess I didn't know there was anything different or whatever. I didn't know my parents were not my parents and all that. And, uh, until a bit later and, um, and I don't remember exactly when it happened, but you know, so anyway, so I was, you know, at birth I was, I was given up for adoption and, uh, you know, later on, obviously we know more about stuff like that now and how that's really a pretty major trauma. There's been books written about it, the primal wound and all this stuff. So, um, and I remember, you know, getting older in my life and seeing like animals pulled from their mothers and see how they freak out and all that. And it got, it would just, something would ring true with me. Something would ring inside and go, Oh, that's just heavy, you know? So, um, anyway, I kind of get back to a little bit later in my life, around seven or eight, I believe it was, my parents um, separated, and my mom moved into an apartment in the same town that I grew up in, in Camarillo, California. And somewhere around then that time, it's I don't remember the exact, you know, I just remember I was, I think I was in fourth or fifth grade, my mom just passed away. She was going to work or coming home, I can't remember, and... Uh, pulled over to the side of the road and her heart stopped and boom, and that was it. And I just remember being at school and my teacher coming and telling me, you know, my dad was there to talk to me and going out to the car and he had told me what happened and just, you know, it was huge, you know, just, uh, I mean, besides them splitting up and all that, but you know, it's just, that's a lot for <laughs> a small child to, you know, grasp, you know, I remember just being like, what the hell, you know, and then around that time, I don't remember if it was a little before or after or whatever, but that's when I found out I was adopted. So that kind of raised up all kinds of other stuff, you know, like, what does that mean? Who's my real mother? You know, once I found out what that meant. And so it was a challenging first, you know, 10 years of my life. Um, and that kind of, it feels like that at that point that definitely kind of set the tone of who, uh, you know, or of how I was going to interact with life, put it that way. Um, very cautiously, not very trusting, <laughs> you know, um, and always feeling like someone, you know, that it, it was just really unpredictable. You know, there wasn't a lot of stability with those two major things happening. So, um, and those are heavy things for a kid, you know, but I mean, you know, you get older and you start moving on and you, you know, uh, life went on and, and, and definitely things would come up and I got into drugs and this and that, and I'll get a little bit more into that, um, here in a few minutes. But, uh, so that's, you know, a, a heavy start. And thankfully, um, my dad was very loving. He was very understanding. He, you know, from an early age, he used to tell me if I ever wanted to 
look for my real mother or father that I was welcome to. And he, he knew that it would be something that would probably help and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, and he took care of me, you know, I mean, especially after my mom died, I really clinged, you know, I was young and it's like one of my parents have already died and I got to hold on, you know, and hope that he, he's nothing's going to happen to my dad, you know, and, you know, up to a certain age. And then of course I pushed him away and, you know, did all the stuff that we'd normally do as teenagers and even probably a little bit more extreme. But, uh, but my dad and I, even to this day, are still, I just, you know, he was, you know, in some ways my savior, you know, he kind of, I could have been adopted by, you know, who knows, you know, but, uh, he just a very loving father. So I'm very fortunate in that way. Um, you know, at that, it, with all that being said, <clears throat> that doesn't really matter to the actual wound, you know, that's what I know now. I mean, all that stuff like growing up and, um, you know, people say things to people that are adopted, like, you know, well, you're lucky that you're, you know, your parents are who they are or that, you know, that fortunate that they picked you and, you know, all these things that people are trying to kind of make you feel better don't necessarily make you feel better, you know, because you, it, it, it's just, there's always this questioning of why, um, why would she do this and why, why, why was I abandoned and adopted and, and, uh, most of the people that I've talked to that are adoptees uh, just for some reason take on, you know, I think as a, as a child, we just take on this thing is how do it have been something that we did or that something's wrong or with us. And, you know, I don't know why that happens, but that seems to be the, the, the case, you know, so, and that was always in the back of my mind, like, well, well, what did I do or whatever, you know? So, you know, that's <laughs> a lot, you know, for a, ch a child and especially, uh, you know, eventually I got into some therapies and this and that, and I went to a lot of different therapists, you know, throughout my life, you know, but uh, without people really getting what that core wounding is, you know, back then, I mean, they didn't really have a lot of insight onto it, you know, I mean, a lot of people figured that since you're, you know, if you're adopted, at birth, you know, a baby doesn't have any kind of cognitive brain skills, so it doesn't affect the child. And, you know, but now they know that that's different, you know, because the body re remembers the trauma, which is even harder because the mind has no way to get to it. You know, the mind isn't even developed at that point, but the body reacts, you know, the body has a memory of its own. And, so those things happen at a young age and, you know, I've dealt with anxiety and depression and all that all my life, you know, even to this day, just not as intense, but, uh, I've, you know, definitely experienced some really intense depression, depression and, and anxiety and, uh, different and everything that falls under that. So, um, but any, you know, on the, on the flip side of that coin, <clears throat> You know, there's times where I went through my life where that any kind of trauma or any kind of stuff like that didn't affect me. I wasn't in a, I wasn't rubbing up against it in any other way in a relationship or things like that, you know. And then as you get older and I started dating and this and that, and in relationships, it would always come up 
and uh, and even in friendships too, you know, to a certain extent. So, um, but then I, you know, I remember around maybe eight or nine is when music started really coming into my life more. Like I had a little one of those little turntables that uh, I think it was a Mickey Mouse one where you, you know, it was like a suitcase and you open it up and it's got the turntable in there and. I had like children's albums and stuff and maybe, I don't know, Winnie the Pooh or Peter Pan from Walt Disney. And then I remember like right around in sixth grade, one of my friends, Richie Rodriguez, I believe his name was, I went over to his house and he had all these posters on his walls and stuff. It was like overnight, you know, <laughs> like uh, it seemed like fifth grade, he was just a normal kind of goofy kid, just like me. And then all of a sudden, sixth grade, he had this cool kind of swagger or whatever. And he was listening to music that I, you know, like Elton John and things like that, his older brother had turned him on to. And that's when I really started digging into like, okay, hold on a second. And I went in my dad's, you know, my dad had a cool home stereo system from the seventies, you know, and, uh, Looked through his albums, and there was like John Denver. I I remember listening to John Denver music, and that always brought up emotions about my mom for some reason. I don't know why it just did, but uh, and then he had Melanie, who I really just totally just went for, you know, and just loved her voice and the emotion in her voice, and that was another. At that point, it seemed music being more of a. Hmm, a medium to be able to allow myself to emote, you know, and without really knowing why it was something that just touched me and I was able to cry and be able to let things out, you know. <clears throat> and then, uh, and then I remember being young and we would go to this place called Salzers, which was in Ventura County. And it was this cool kind of hippie record store and you'd walk in and you'd smell incense and they'd have posters and it was like two stories. It was all made out of, it was like this open air market kind of indoors with all this wood and wood stairs and just albums everywhere and music blaring and, you know, all that good stuff and just really being intrigued and being like, wow, and looking at all the album covers. And my, I remember my dad buying um, The Who uh, by Numbers because he loved that song squeeze box and he wasn't really big into buying singles and stuff. He did have 45s, but not, you know, he would buy the album cause he wanted to listen to the other stuff. And he didn't really take to the who that much, except for that one song. And I remember listening to the whole album and just being like, wow, you know, like slip kid and, uh, um, and of course squeeze box and all that. So it was just a, you know, whole new experience and wanting to like dive into that. And the next, you know, and then I think the first album I bought <clears throat> with my own money was Elton John Caribou. It had the bitches back on it and um, you're so static. And it was just, you know, my friend Richie turned me on to Elton John. I was like, wow, this guy's cool with the glasses and all the cool garb and all that stuff, you know. <clears throat> so, um, yeah. And then from there... You know, just starting to discover music, I think the first band that I really got turned on to that I just fell for, and most most probably, you know, boys my age back then did, was Kiss. And a friend of mine down the street brought um, a concert poster and also the Kiss Alive album. She just went seeing him and uh, 
she wanted, you know, she's like, you got to listen to these guys. So I listened to them and I was just like, wow. And I was hooked. I mean, and looking at all the pictures and reading their little um, letters that they write on the back and all that, you know, and just the theatrics of it. And it was just about, you know, in some ways music was kind of an escapism at that point, you know. I could kind of put the headphones on and um, listen to an album and just kind of get lost in the music, lost in being maybe in the audience or, um, you know, just lost in the music. And uh, so, yeah, from then on, I was like a kiss head for sure. I mean, I dressed up, you know, at least two or three times in a row <laughs> for Halloween and all that stuff. And uh and then just, you know, starting to really get into lyrics and understanding melodies and, uh, you know, with Led Zeppelin and Aerosmith. And I remember one of the first songs I heard that I that I kind of got a lyric out of was, uh, it's called Write Me by Aerosmith on their first album. And uh, he said something about, it's been this, it's, it's been this way forever, suicide crossing my mind. But I never, 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 never get so far behind, you know. And I remember listening to that, just going, "Wow," you know, like understanding that these people are emoting, and you know, some of these guys are telling us, you know, things about themselves and experiences of life and how it would affect me, you know, and allow me to be able to to kind of work through some of these things, you know, as I was growing up. So. But yeah, so that's how music just started out with me and just has a big, you know, and, it, and it's always been huge in my life. All my friends, everybody I know, you know, are, that I'm pretty close with are definitely big music heads and uh, and music's been a big factor. So, um, and those bands back then, some of them were, you know, just larger than life, you know, Led Zeppelin, Aerosmith, all these bands just seem to be, too, you know, just way larger than life, you know, and, uh, but just really getting, loving to get into the lyrics and how it just takes you away, you know, and that experience of putting your headphones on and you have your little stereo, whatever it was. I remember the first one was like a, you know, had the AM, FM, probably an eight track and then turntable all built into one. And then you had the little speakers and, and then my first set of headphones, and I would just, man, I would just get lost in the headphones, you know, listening to the radio, listening to albums. I remember listening to Dr. Demento as a, as a kid, just being totally into that. and uh, But just a way to escape, you know, of, of having some relief, you know, from some of the, you know, some of the traumatic things in life. And I mean, at that point, it was... I was I, I would definitely have trouble sometimes going to school and just having showing up, you know, everything was just a I don't know, I felt like I was always on high alert and it was very anxiety ridden to do anything new. And my dad told me when I was a kid that I went to he took me to this pool. It was in uh it was a town close to where we lived and it was like an indoor pool. They teach you how to swim and this and that, and I just would not put my face in the water. You know, I was just freaked out about it, and and I held onto the side and kicked and just you know wouldn't put my face in the water. And the, once I got out of the pool, the lady threw me in the deep end. You know, <laughs> that's how I learned how to swim and put my face in the water. You know, but everything I just remember things being very delicate. You know, and very I just wasn't real. You know, um, but then I, you know I got a little older and I started playing baseball and. 
you know, getting a little bit more into athletics and stuff. And I loved playing baseball. That helped a lot. Um, and then, you know, some, I don't know what it was. It was, I think it was in between sixth and seventh grade right around there is when I kind of started getting into cigarettes and, and meeting people that were smoking pot. And mostly were, you know, a lot of the, my friend's older brothers were the ones that were hanging out and getting loaded and doing other things and stuff. And it just, I don't know, I just was attracted to it, you know, that seemed like a whole nother way to escape, you know, and, and definitely, once I tried it, you know, alcohol was probably the first thing I ever did, just sneaking it from my parents and this and that. And that was like, yeah, one thing. But uh, for, I remember the first time smoking pot, just feeling like, yeah, okay, <laughs> you know. And, you know, from there, everything else kind of branched off. But uh, so that's kind of, I'm, I, I think I might just taper off here and and, uh, and maybe end it at about right around there, which is around you know, 13, 12, 13, somewhere around in that age, just kind of getting into the, you know, escaping through, you know, better living through chemistry, put it that way. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I mean, and and I'm really, I don't know, I'm grateful for this podcast. I'm really going to give this a shot and I hope people can get something out of it and uh, it can be very, you know, it's very cathartic for me, you know. Um, like I said, I mean, I still have habits from when I was a kid, you know, habits of avoidance and, uh, and, um, you know, having a hard time being open, you know, um, and trusting. I mean, these things are still with me, although they're a lot better than they were. I mean, I'm a, you know, I, I meditate every day. I do a lot to, bring more awareness to myself, you know, but the topic of trauma and like getting into that place is not something that I volunteer to do all the time. (laughs) You know, I know that that's where the, you know, the wound is where the gem is, you know, that's where, um, the new can come from, you know, so I know I have to, I have to be open to getting into that and and it gets heavy, you know? So I've had times where I've had some really deep therapies and just abandoned myself into it and, uh, and really got a lot out of it. And I, and there's times where things come up for me and I'm just like, well, I don't know if I'm willing to, you know, stick with this right now, you know? So I made, you know, I still have distractions, you know, of other things that I do. And, um, you know, funny, funny enough is music is really not a distraction anymore. It's more, it's definitely uh, more therapeutic, you know, um, and gives me a little bit more courage to kind of dive into these things if I need to, you know. Because, um, I mean, what I've kind of learned is that trauma never really, the scar, the wound never goes away necessarily. It's just one of those things that's there. And it's all, you know, it's just more about, exposing it to the light, you know, and allowing it to come up. And, and, you know, for a lot of years, I was oblivious to it. You know, I mean, the first thing you have to do is kind of wake up to the fact that you may have this, you know, that there may be something inside you that is still festering, you know, um, from lack of uh, attention and love, you know. And like I said, these things are, I don't know, maybe in the last 10 
or so, maybe maybe more than that, years have been really a lot more enlightenment on this topic for me. And uh, and I'm you know I'm looking forward to getting a little bit more into the adoption part of it for anybody out there that you know. I mean, it's always it was always really good for me to hear people talk about their adoption experiences because it's you know that's really what I can relate to. Um, but on the deeper level, it's mostly just the really comes down to the abandonment, you know, not how it happened, but the abandonment itself and <clears throat> everything that stems from that. And, uh, you know, and I know there's, uh, there's always light at the end of a tunnel and, and there's always, you know, there's always more tunnel. <laughs> so when, you know, you start to be able to navigate through that and do what you can to make the tunnel less ominous, you know, and part, part of that for me is music, is creating music. And so, and during this podcast in the beginning, I'll probably play a little excerpts from music that I've written or have been writing, and I may play songs from bands that I've been in, and uh, I'll definitely ask for their permission, but... Uh, you know, or, or just parts of songs that mean something to me as far as it has to be stuff that I've done. I can't really play other people's music, I don't think, on a podcast, but maybe, I don't know. I'll find out more, but uh, like I said, well, and this is just the first episode, so, and uh, I made it through pretty unscathed, and hopefully, hopefully you did too, hopefully you enjoyed it, and uh, <clears throat> definitely wanted to get into different topics and mainly understanding that, uh, you know, most of my life, any therapies or any kind of stuff that I was doing to better myself was, um, you know, kind of treating the anxiety, trying to treat the anxiety, treat the depression and um, all the things that stem from the actual core wound of the trauma, you know. And only until I really dove into that did something really start to change for me. And a lot of it was, you know, just, uh, you know, just, it was time, you know. I mean, <clears throat> I just found a book on adoption, started reading it. It just kind of came to me and, you know, it brought up all these other kind of deep wound things and really understanding more. So, you know, just be being willing to dive into that you know, because that's really where everything comes from, you know, we can treat the symptoms and the depression with medications and blah, 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 all these things that we try to do, but uh, the real bottom line is to get to the the core of it, you know, so it can get some air and, uh, and get some attention, you know, and so we can, you know, feel, or for so I can feel better about myself, that's, I don't, you know, about everybody else, but, uh, you know, so we can feel better about ourselves. And, uh, you know, you look around, and I, I mean, I look around at the world and, and it's kind of obvious to me that we have a lot of, uh, a lot of pain and suffering out there of people and, and people are not loving themselves much, you know, or they wouldn't do the things to others that they do. And, um, we wouldn't treat other people like, like we do, you know, if we, if we actually truly loved each other and, uh, and loved ourselves and really, you know, got to the, the core of why we don't, you know, if we don't and why we don't. 
So hopefully that's what I would like to bring, a little enlightenment on the subject of uh, trauma and possibly music as well, you know, sharing stories about music and, um, um, you know, the, the songs that I've been writing within the past, oh, uh, well, actually probably started in about 2007, you know, there were some songs that came out that were just otherworldly from something somewhere else, you know, I... I played in bands and stuff and when I was younger in the 90s and, and um, played bass and, you know, did a little bit of harmonizing and this and that, but not a lot of uh, lyric writing and uh, melodies and stuff like that. And then once I started doing that, man, the, just things just started coming up. And I really believed that it was just time, you know, it was like something within me was like, all right, it's time for you to know these things and you've been asking, so here we go. And it's been this journey you know since then of songwriting and off and on and um all the self-doubt that comes up and you know when i when i uh get into songwriting is it's not good or it's not this or it's not that or whatever just that you know lots of self-doubt you know um which has been there for a long time as well you know and that's just something i you know always have to look at when it comes up and realize where it's coming from and uh and hopefully just allow it to, you know, pass through me. Um, but yeah, songwriting is important. Right now it's just, uh, it's very therapeutic. I mean, whether it's just the groove of it or the lyrical content and the melody a lot of times is that, you know, one of those melodies, sometimes I'll sing a melody and it'll be one of those that just touches something, you know, deep. Um, like a lyric or a melody that I've heard from the past, you know, in a different band or something or whatever, just one of those that just touches you, you know, it's, uh, you don't even know necessarily what, you know, it just does, you know, it just uh, hits some kind of emotional nerve. So, um, so I kind of work with that, <laughs> you know, I like to work with that. So, um, but anyway, I just wanted to say thank you for tuning in to the very first episode of Loaded Souls podcast. And uh, it's a beautiful day here. We're here at uh, Mercy Me Studios in Big Springs, California, just north of uh, Mount Shasta, being able to see the mountain. It's beautiful. And I'm looking out right now out at, uh, at Owl's Peak, another just really cool rock formation just to the uh, north of us. So it's beautiful here. And uh, I hope to hear from uh, People, if there's a way to comment on these podcasts, I'm not sure yet. So <laughs> if there's a way to comment, leave a comment, leave a like, whatever. Um, let me know that you listened and uh, that you'd like to hear more. So I'm definitely into giving some more. And I have a yeah, episode two already in mind. And I'm just kind of winging it. I'm not writing too much down. I just want to kind of give it a free-for-all. I'm, I'm, uh, I don't like to, I don't know. I just want to let it go, um, and just talk. So I'm not, I don't talk a lot about stuff like that. So this is a new experience for me. So we'll give it a shot and, uh, I hope you enjoy it and I hope you enjoy the rest of your day and we will hear you soon. All right. Bye. You've been listening to the Loaded Souls podcast live from Big Springs, California. High five, man. High five. What? You did good, man. High five. Uh, whatever.